Hi, David Thexton here, and welcome to this podcast of Everything Business Consulting, brought to you by the ConsultX Business Success Program. This weekly podcast is for those of you out there who are a business consultant and want to improve your skills and success, or you're new to this profession and want to become a business consultant. People who join ConsultX are ex-corporate employees leaving the rat race, ex-business owners with something to give back, accountants wanting to offer more to their clients, and coaches or existing consultants wanting to upskill. You can become self-employed, enjoy a great lifestyle, and become wealthy by helping your clients become wealthy. ConsultX is an online cloud-based business consulting application that has everything you need if you want to become a successful business consultant. With over a decade of development, ConsultX offers you a unique opportunity to enter the world of business consulting with a complete system ready to run straight out of the box. In other words, once you sign up, you have access to everything you need to build a consulting business for yourself. ConsultX provides a complete web-based training system where you work your way through at your own pace, learning all the important lessons that we've learned over a decade of being in this profession. The training can be as short as five days, or you can space it out over a few weeks. You have a 14-day free trial to ConsultX just by clicking the free trial tab at the top of the website, no credit card required. If this sounds like you, then the contact details will be at the end of this podcast. Hi Peter, welcome to our interview section. Peter is based in uh, Newcastle, which is about 200 kilometres north of Sydney in Australia, and he's been with Consultex for about three and a bit years. Peter, are you all fired up and ready to go? Absolutely, David. Ready and rearing. Excellent. Good to hear. You've been involved in business consulting for some time now. Can you please tell our listeners what you were doing before you became a consultant? Okay, David. Well, for, for my sins, I was an accountant for about 30 years, um, primarily in Australia, four years in Vanuatu, and as dealing with the tax and compliance issues, um, always had an interest and a focus on small to medium-sized businesses. Uh, the larger, larger corporate clients never really attracted me. So I was an accountant but with a focus on tax and compliance. Okay, so what attracted you to business consulting? I really wanted to be somebody who is providing a commercially proactive uh, service to to my clients. What I I realised was that what I was doing as an accountant was a bit like driving down the freeway with the, uh, the windscreen locked out and telling people where they'd been by looking in the rear vision mirror. I wanted to actually unmask the windscreen, tell people where they are now and help them get to where they want to be. So that was, that's what I'm you know, quickly calling the um, commercially proactive rather than a, a reactive role, which is what I uh, found the, uh, the commercial uh, compliance accounting world was about. That's a good way to explain it that that way. Can you uh, can you tell our listeners what your experience was in your first six months? For me, it, it was quite a shock because I'd had so many years dealing in that reactionary sort of mode. I must admit, I needed to change my mindset quite a lot, and that was that was difficult. 
but equally it was it was quite liberating. What I also found, I had to stop jumping in with more of a technical answer and working out that really in the mould of, of the world of consulting, the best thing is to keep on asking questions. Um, at the end of the day, it's all in, it's their business and their goals. So I really needed to change the way in which I was communicating with people and certainly stop being a technician. Um, but once you get the hang of that, I actually found it quite liberating. So in your first, um, when you first started, could you tell our listeners how you acquired clients and how you get them now, if there's a difference? Well, there is. And I guess my because of my accounting background, I did have a network of business owners that I knew. So essentially, I was going around and calling on people that I knew, explaining my new sort of the service offering that I could provide them and uh, and predominantly getting getting the clients from from that source it now tends to be predominantly from uh, word of mouth referral people that you see at networking events just constantly talking to people and um, explaining what you do um, so, so that's where it is. Initially, it was from my existing networks that I, I did have, but now it's, it's the word of mouth referrals and just being progressively able to articulate what I do in a more, more meaningful environment that, that seems to get a bit more traction. Okay, can we just go a bit sideways here? Uh, you were an accountant. Um, one of the um, groups of people that we are targeting worldwide is accountants and accountancy firms because every single day I, I get about eight newsletters a day from around the world from accounting organizations I suppose you call them and I'm reading every day that compliance work is dropping and that um, online uh, cloud-based accounting systems are getting easier and easier to use and um, I'm reading that uh, accountants, um, certain reports I'm reading is that their revenue is dropping at about 10 to 15% a year. Um, so do you agree with me, and you can disagree if you want to, but do you agree that that accountants and accounting firms should be considering business consulting as a uh, um, an addition or a change in their career? I certainly agree that they should be considering it. They, what needs to be carefully balanced is, from my experience, that it is a very different mindset to the tax and compliance. Yeah. Um, and and it, that, that's where the challenge is going to be for, for a lot, whether they need a separate portion of the business that is focused more on the... Uh, consulting side and and leave and it might well be a diminishing group of people who are providing the compliance side um, it, it maybe maybe it's more a reflection of, of my own mindset but I I think I would have had difficulties uh, keeping the 
having having both sort of mindsets open at the one time. So I think absolutely the accounting profession is perceived certainly in Australia as being the trusted advisors and most business owners really rely or, or perceive that their accountants are providing that service. The reality certainly in my region, Newcastle Hunter region, is the vast majority of accountants are still very much caught up in a tax and compliance um, mind, mind space and not really providing the, the different open view, big picture, commercially proactive consulting support. They've got the skills, but it's difficult to match it in the, in the one head at the same time. So I, I think it's maybe this reduction in the compliance work, the, the innovators in the profession will work out what's required, get the right support package and um, be able to take advantage of it because certainly they've got a, a walk-up start to a client base that, that is definitely and, and desperately wanting that type of assistance. Yeah, that's a good answer. That um, um, the fact that they, they, about ten fifteen years ago, um, the accountancy associations around Australia and New Zealand uh, coined the phrase "your trusted advisor," which which I I I don't agree with because the, the question I've always asked myself is how do you advise in the past? Um, um, that's a, all that is is historical measurement. They're not advising. They're they're, perhaps they're giving an opinion of history, but but um, what we are doing is more of a trusted advisor than what they're doing. But they've already got that little positioning statement, haven't they? Uh, ab- absolutely, and I I do find it interesting the number of times I've sat in in on meetings with uh, my clients and their their accountant and. They simply, it's going right back to that driving down the freeway analogy. They're telling people where they've been. They're giving them very much a numbers-based perspective of where they've been, whereas, in my opinion, a, you know, a true advisor would use the previous numbers to inform where you're at and help work out what strategies will change from today forwards at a practical level, not just say the numbers tell me you need to increase your margin or reduce your wages. Anybody can make those sort of statements. It's what are you practically telling them or recommending to them to the steps to implement. And I'm sure accountants have that knowledge, but it's just that certainly in Australia, a lot of them are so caught up in the pressures of the tax and compliance that they really can't lift themselves above it. Uh, and that's both a challenge and I think a wonderful opportunity for them uh, if, if the ATO in particular is successful in, uh, in more and more direct automation of the, of the accounting and tax records. I can't give you any names, but I, I am, um, I can't say good friends, but I have a a relationship with one of the owners of one of the big uh, online accounting um, programs, and he tells me that within one to three years, um, the the um, 
IRD and the ATO, IRDs in New Zealand, will be able to access everybody's bank accounts uh, and um, the whole thing will all be done seamlessly and automatically. They'll be going into the bank accounts, pulling out the tax, pulling out the GST, all those sorts of things, and it's all going to be automated. And that means that accountants are going to be, uh, um, of course, we'll always, we'll always need them, but um, the, the volume of work is going to just collapse, it's going to go through the floor. And he said, he, he said more or less what you said there. He said they've got the relationships with the clients now. They need to be thinking about putting in a system where they can get involved with future consulting, but you can't change the past. No. You need to know where you are today, as you just said. But um, they need to really seriously be um, considering doing something like this, otherwise they're not going to be in business. Oh, absolutely. I think we can debate. I, I would suggest, mm. at least within the Australian position, that the reality of the Australian Tax Office being able to implement that sort of thing in, in the time frame you're talking about is, is being very optimistic, but yeah. it will happen at some stage, I'm sure, mm. and they, they will be reducing requirements for accountants doing the the uh, the compliance in the way they have in the past. So yeah, I agree yeah. entirely there. Okay, now you've used the business success program right from the very start. Could you describe to our listeners the benefit that you've gained from it? To yes, certainly, David. To to me, what it does, it provides an excellent structure and and framework um, to to ensure that. The, the logical flow of services um, and and certainly the tracking it, it keeps me and and me in turn keeping the clients accountable for each step so uh, I know it's a, it's a short answer but but to me it was providing the the necessary structure and f- framework um, in which both to assist preparing a or working through the steps to prepare a plan, and then working through the implementation and holding people accountable. So um, they are in, in, a, in a logical manner. They're, they're the key benefits that I've, uh, I've found. Yep. That's, um, that's what it was intended to do. Um, um, right back at the start when I was consulting and I had between about 14 and 18 clients, I was there was so much going on and... And I don't think I got the most perfect memory in the world. And I was very scared that I'd be sitting in a meeting in the the cosmetic company um, monthly meeting and asking how the steak pies were going. You know, um, it's, it's, it was always a worry of mine. And and because that there was so it was so complex, so I found that having a system, I knew where everybody was at any every step of the way, and I just pulled their file out, and there they were, and it kept me on track. So it wasn't just a good a good idea to have the the um, business owner and his team on a program and on a system. It was good to keep me sane as well. So it worked out well. Uh, precisely, and I guess if we look at it realistically, one of the things I'm constantly talking with my clients about is the need for systems and processes. And the reality is, how can I expect them to do it if I don't likewise? Have uh, have something for myself, so yeah. you, know, you you you've got to got to walk the talk. 
course. Now, could you tell our listeners how many clients you've got today and then quickly what type of businesses they are? Because for people ask us all the time, they say, they say, oh, uh, what type of businesses does this type of consulting suit? And it doesn't, it suits everything. So could you just give them an idea what you've got? Yeah, for sure. And look, I agree entirely. The Effectively, everybody um, could could benefit from the uh, the the type of work that I provide. I don't. It doesn't really matter what industry someone is in. Um, you know, we're providing a support service for the whole of business, and you know, ninety percent of businesses are identical. It doesn't matter what the technical service or product is to your customers. The underlying principles of running the business are the same. So I've I've got currently got six clients. So they vary from a steel and aluminium product retailer who also does some sort of fabrication and machinery machining to order um, a retailer to heavy industry of a electrical intrinsically safe and anti corrosive products. There's a synthetic grass lawn bowls construction firm, a wholesale fuel distributor, a manufacturer, retailer, installer of plantation shutters and blinds, and finally a Pilates studio. So there's a, a major range of sort of products and services in there. As say, as I you know, jokingly say to my clients, I don't know one end of a screwdriver from another, but I can certainly assist you know, any any building or uh, you know, a blue collar in business, despite my lack of um, technical skills, because ninety percent underlying it of their business is the stuff that that we know and and use the program to provide them with value. That they might well be great technicians. 99% of business owners don't know how to how to operate that critical 90% that drives the performance and satisfaction of their business. Yeah, yeah, that's a good response to that. Can we go sideways a bit here? Because I've had, um, because we're talking to people right around the world, we get... Um, uh, well, one of the questions that comes in, and it's quite a um, quite a popular question, is uh, can this business program be used in the situation, and they're talking about themselves, where, where I, I'm an expert in, in um, say, flooring retail outlets. Um, could I could I be uh, concentrated and just work on those clients? Would it, would that model work? What do you think about that? Specialising. Yeah, it certainly could work in that regard and it may assist at the client acquisition level because it means you can walk in and uh, talk talk the jargon with them, which may make the client feel a bit more comfortable. Um, I question... Though it might depend in your area and the number of, of those particular people and whether some people might find there's a, there's a conflict of interest um, to dealing with, with a, a number of competitors. So ab- absolutely, the, 
the principle of what you're saying works. It, it could be done. Um, I guess I haven't looked directly at that in the local area because I'm, I'm not seeing enough depth of any particular um, industries. Uh, yeah, so it, it can be done. And if you, if you really enjoyed and wanted to focus on a particular sector, uh, absolutely go for it. That doesn't detract from the point that the overall program and the support model will work to any business at all. I think specialisation probably wouldn't dramatically increase the outcome for the client. It might just provide you with high, better or enhanced credibility at the client acquisition point because, as I say, you can walk in and talk the jargon, which will give them a bit more confidence. Yeah, yeah. I, I know when I first started back in 2005, I considered becoming a beverage consultant because that was the background that I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I changed my mind on that because I realised that I, could, I was going to be on a plane. I lived on the Gold Coast and I was going to be having to drive to Brisbane and fly to Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth and all that sort of stuff. And and having a young family, it didn't really um, appeal to me that much. So I became a consultant to every type of business and uh, and that worked absolutely fine. Um, moving on to a negative type of question, can you tell our audience about your client losses that you've had over the years and what you could have done if you had your time again? Yes, that was interesting. I know I've had a couple where the business owners, as they wanted, sold. Um, in one case, reasonably large dental practice that was sold to to a national aggregator. Um, so you, it's a swings and roundabout situation. I guess some of in the early days, some of the things that I led to client losses and it was me coming to grips with how best to use the program in my enthusiasm when we're identifying the task list um, having gone through the planning process I was leaving everything everything on the agenda so each each meeting effectively had every point sitting there and after a while the clients are saying hang on, you know, I thought we were going to get through all of this sort of overnight, which clearly was not going to happen. So they were getting a bit frustrated at what they perceived as a lack of progress. In reality, we're actually moving along quite nicely and they were getting results. But what I should have done, as I now realise, is prioritise the task and only have a handful of tasks on the agenda as visible to the client and as yep. we tick off a particular succeed get get the full implementation done then i elevate the next priority item so i i think that was a key mistake that i i made early on and i'd like to think that i'm getting smarter in it now is you you have to prioritize and you have to manage the expectations of the clients, and and that was probably the biggest failing that I had in the early days. 
Okay, and that cost you a couple of clients, didn't it? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I'll op- openly acknowledge. And and the the annoying or frustrating thing for me was that I know we were making substantial inroads. We were actually improving their business, and there was no questioning that. But it was just a sense of I I had set set them up and continued with an expectation that everything could happen quite quickly and that everything could be worked on concurrently. And that clearly, uh, I could see that that was just going to lead the pressures and strain and change fatigue, etc. amongst the staff. I knew that it couldn't do, but, but what I didn't do was um, control that from the start and just you know, when when you start eating an elephant, you don't look at the at the whole beast. You you know, you you focus on the the little bit that's going in your mouth now. Yeah, and that's against the law now, too, Peter. Yes, I, I'm sure it is, and I uh, <laughs> I I certainly failed, and um, yeah, and, and it was my own enthusiasm. So I guess I'm just just sharing that as as a reason, yeah. uh, something that, and again. If, if something's there in, in the program, in the law, then it's there for a reason and needs to be followed. No, I mean eating an elephant's against the law. Oh, and eating the elephant. Well, <laughs> I've got to say, as, as a vegetarian, that's a pretty weird analogy for me to bring up. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, but we know what you mean, though. Yes, yes. Okay, can you give us a couple of examples of how you help your clients to build a better business? Yes, it, I was thinking about about this and, and just there, there are so many examples that, that spring to mind. But I guess one, one situation that, that particularly uh, came to me was where there was just a complete lack of communication and trust, etc., between management and the staff. There was no communication. Um, they were... Yeah, they actually called the different sort of wings of the the business of America and Russia. Uh, it was like there was a huge barrier in between, and so using some some structured performance reviews, planning documents, self evaluation templates, etc., and making sure that I was sitting with the client effectively holding their hand as they went through the meetings. They're saying, well, why do I need to talk to, to my staff? And eventually you've got to say, look, just trust me, we need to do it. And uh, you drag them to the, to the meeting from both sides, kicking and screaming, but the yeah. changes in the, the communication and the efficiency and the lack of rework, etc., has been, been quite remarkable. Um, in another business, there was absolutely no financial uh, planning information structure involved in it. So simply getting them involved with uh, the preparing budgets, understanding what the items are, having KPIs, having meetings so in this business had 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 for years had a yo-yo effect decent profits then there'd be a loss and it was just ridiculous the uh, 
the the way the yo-yo was going up and down, uh, and and we've now got a consistent stream both of income. The quoting is better. The results are certainly consistent. I think it's the first time ever that he's had two years of profits in in a row. Um, so just providing that stability and, and platform. So that's definitely uh, been a major improvement for them, just the getting some financial literacy and, uh, and reporting and accountability has made a huge difference. Look, you know, it, it always amazes me that, uh, that we, we, we talk about business owners being technicians and an expert in their field and things like that, and we bring along our program and, and we put it in place and everything, but in reality, with most clients we probably only do about 12 things, really. Uh, and, um, and, and it's like we've got a little toolkit and we've got 12 tools, but this business only needs six of them and this business needs six, but it's a different six and all these sorts of things going on. So, so um, yeah, and, and the same problems just keep popping up um, time and time again, whether they're a $10 million business or a $1 million business, it doesn't matter. Um, that's what I've found. You found the same? Absolutely. And in fact, out of really, I think you can can bring the majority of it back to, uh, in fact, a lack of communication in terms of communication being the owner actually communicating with themselves, articulating what they want out of the business. Um, communicating that to the staff and it's all the way down the communication of the specific tasks that need to be done. Um, you know, I, I work on the basis, as I often say to my clients, no, well, I'm, I'm yet to find an employee who wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm going to go to work with the express intention of really stuffing things up and annoying the boss. People <laughs> simply don't do that. The reason why they're uh, a stuff-ups is because they don't actually understand what it is or why it is or how it is that they're meant to be doing something. They're not doing it intentionally. No. And, and that's why really when you, when you boil it all down, or my experience, when you boil it all down, it comes back to communication. So break down the barriers, getting, getting clarity, um, and then you can start saying, right, well, we now have a, a good, clear system. Let's now, we can also now track the, track the, um, the ongoing accountability for, for the measures, but at least everybody, or nobody is in any doubt as to what they are meant to be doing. Exactly right. Yeah, and, and we find that every day. Mm. Um, could you, um, and another popular question that people ask us is they ask about average lifetime of clients. Can you tell us about yours? I, my situation, it's been, I guess, approximately two years. Um, I'm still Say, saying about two years because I've had some clients for the entire period from from when I first joined and they touch wood are still going going strong. I've had a, a couple that were 
uh, only a year or so. I don't think I've ever had a client that was was certainly less than a year. You, you nev- I've never had the situation where it's a straight in or out or immediate disappointment. Um, they've continued to work. Had a client earlier this this week who's very openly acknowledged that they now know what they want and they still want my involvement, um, it, it, albeit in a slightly different... We're, we're now renegotiating the terms of engagement. Um, yeah. So... I say two years, but that's a bit of an average. And realistically, I say most of most of mine. There, there is a core there that have been there almost since since inception. So, yeah. and I'm I'm working on the basis that they, as they improve in one area, we can then start introducing new skills, new issues, um, and and so they'll want to continue with with my involvement it just that it, it moves from a more direct involvement maybe to to a slightly higher level strategic type view because they've got a lot more of the operational tasks and now operating that much better yeah 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 and of course there's a lot of people in the network um i'm just thinking of two or three people come to mind who have had clients for five or six years and they go right back to the start as well. Mm. Uh, oh, e- exactly. And and as I say, t- touch wood, uh, that that's the way that I would like to think. My uh, the the current longer term clients, I'm not picking up any any signs uh, that that they're questioning the involvement because they can see and and sometimes they're just acknowledging that having comes back to the uh, that term that's been grabbed by the accounting professions in, in Australia, certainly of trusted advisor, they now realise that I can offer such a completely independent view, big picture view from their perspective. I'm not trying to sell them a tax return or a banker selling them money or a lawyer selling them legal advice, etc., or an insurance agent selling them insurance, etc. I am there purely to give them big picture advice they can confide in me um, without being concerned that all I'm doing is offering them just some other service in the background. It's all about them and, and I think that's something that they, uh, they really appreciate. Mm, mm, they do, they do. Tell our listeners a bit about your lifestyle as a consultant today when and compared to a normal nine-to-five or nine-to-seven employment. I don't know if you were working nine-to-seven back when you were an accountant, but... Uh, um, well, I cer- certainly, yeah. certainly was. I guess the, the things that I greatly uh, enjoy now is, is the flexibility. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, you can pick and choose when you want to do particular things, just, just change your lifestyle. Some people may have picked up in the background some, some distant noise of uh, building activity. So we're doing uh, work from home, so I don't have to commute anywhere other than for direct client work. Uh, but we've, we're doing this building work, refurbishing it at home. We've got tradesmen all around us. I'm, I'm here whenever there are questions that need to be answered. 
Uh, so the flexibility is wonderful. And the other thing is that I don't have to deal with any bureaucracy and there are no internal politics. So yeah. absolute, absolute chalk and cheese. There's no way I would contemplate moving, moving back to, um, to, to a, a formal business structured commercial environment that the thought of that fills me with dread. Oh, luckily, well, not luckily, but it, it won't have to happen. Yeah, precisely. Well, that's the intention. Yeah, I don't believe in luck, but mm. you make your own luck, don't you? Yes. Um, can you uh, just could you tell our listeners and um, your advice on the best way to enter the consulting profession and why? All right. Well, I look at that, and and I guess the key thing that strikes me there is that you'd need to have a framework, uh, and obviously in that regard, a framework like Consultex around you, so that so that you actually understand you're working in a in a structured manner, um, and also an essential thing when you're starting out, and you probably realise the benefit or there's continuing benefit, is also having um, work colleagues or colleagues using the same framework with the same sort of mindset who you can bounce ideas off. There's nothing, you know, the one thing when we're isolated consultants um, is that you don't get sort of the water cooler talk. So having the opportunity to interact with people, build up relationships, whether it's in an online forum, uh, maybe an annual, sort of if there's an annual get-together, find other people in your own area using the, the same framework. There are enough businesses out there that we're not really competing against each other, uh, but the value of just that those collaborative dis discussions is invaluable. So I, I think it's being part of a network is is vital when when you start off. To be a, an, a your own individual little silo would be a very tough way to do it. Um, I know that you're involved with um, putting together a mastermind group in Australia, but do you know? Uh, I, and I know you know that we've got one in New Zealand that everybody's a part of, but in the last month or two, uh, one's been set up in America um, and um, and one's been set up in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So and, and um, anybody that's part of our network can join those mastermind groups um, by, by, by picking it up through the Facebook closed user group. When you become a member of ConsultX, you get access to that automatically free of charge of course so yeah I, I i agree like like the only downside or possible downside to working by yourself is that you tend to be in isolation but if you've got uh, a number of uh, peers around you that you can just ring up or you can get together and have a coffee if they're in the local area then that um that's going to work quite well isn't it oh absolutely and and i mean another benefit and i i openly know that i invariably view the world, no matter how hard I try, uh, view the world to some extent through a, an, an accounting and, and numbers-based background. So to be able to speak to 
someone who, who I know is in the same general space as me and talk about, say, a, a marketing issue or a human resources type issue and get, get the perspective for some, someone whose background is in a, has been in a different profession is, is invaluable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Now, to close the interview, can you give our listeners a couple of gold nuggets of advice that would help them in their consulting career? I would suggest, firstly, that you you have confidence in in your abilities. If you're at the point of, say, listening to this and um, having the 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 model behind you, the program behind you, you then have confidence in in your abilities particularly the ability as i mentioned earlier about we see the big picture and we're providing that independent support to the clients they don't get that uh anywhere else and they really value it so have confidence in your own ability understand that you're seeing the big picture in and for your clients in a way that they don't see and then make sure you provide quality but fearless advice so Again, a little bit of my personality background has always been to to probably sugarcoat matters too much. So I realise that if you're going to be going to be serious about helping helping people, you need to tell them the way it really is. You can't afford just to be be nice. Um, they're paying you to hear what you want to say. They're not paying you to tell them what they want to hear. Otherwise, you're redundant. So that would be my approach. Once, once you're in there, have the confidence and really tell them what they need to hear. Don't just try and be nice and polite to them. The, the business owners get too buried in their own business to see the forest for the trees. We're the ones who can independently provide that, that view which, which allows them to make much better decisions. A couple of good gold nuggets there. Thank you for those. Um, and thank you for that frank and interesting interview. I'm really sure that our listeners will have gained a lot from it. Yep. Thank you, David. Look, I'm really pleased to have been on the show and uh, offer my congratulations and best wishes to anyone coming into the profession. I'll no doubt see you on the Consultex Facebook page. That'll be great. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thank you, David. Hi, my definition of a lifestyle business is one where you decide the hours you work, who you want to work with, and how much you want to earn. Many people I talk to describe in detail the drudgery of their current job, hours of commuting, boring meetings, little chance of promotion, and remuneration just enough to live on, with little or no chance of improvement, and the very real possibility of being made redundant if the worst happens. Imagine a business where you can take the kids to school when you want, have a three or four day weekend when you want, cut out the commuting and have complete freedom of your time. Business consulting is a business where you get paid for what's between your ears, not the hours you work. Working on a percentage of revenue fee basis frees you from time-based earning systems and takes away all income ceilings. I've worked as a consultant from home since 2005 and right now I'm looking out of my office window at the green rolling pastures of New Zealand uh, about 50 kilometres south of Auckland. 
fantastic. And I work the hours that suits me. And I can take a holiday whenever I want to. But in order to move forward as a business consultant, you have to make some important decisions and make that change. You've already started that change by listening to this podcast. This podcast is all about that change and each week we'll be presenting a number of topics and features that will be of interest to you whether you are already a consultant or you're looking to become one. We'll interview people in our network and we'll dig deep into what makes them tick and why they have become a successful consultant. We'll read out your letters and questions and answer them for you. We'll discuss a case history from our client files. We'll discuss a special topic each week from our listeners' suggestions. And we'll interview people who are not in our network but have some interesting information for you as you start work with business owners. Bottom line is, if you're a business consultant and you want to improve or you want to become a business consultant, then this is the podcast for you. If you want to get more information right now, then go to www.consultx.com. I'll repeat that, www.consultx.com. There you will find everything you need to know to become part of our global Consultex network.